Awesome. <laughs> hey, who's excited to be in church this morning? Everybody excited? Yes. I hope I'm not the only one. Yes. All five of us are excited about being in church this morning. That's great. Hey, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jason. I get the privilege of being pastor here. That was my beautiful wife up here leading us in worship. And uh, man, we're so excited that you're here. And uh, I always try to meet most of you that I can before service. But uh, if it is your first time and I didn't get a chance to meet you, come and come talk to me afterwards. I'd love to catch you before you leave here. Uh, we're, this is our third week. We're three weeks into our family series, and I hope you've been following along. If you've missed uh, either of the last two weekends, I'd encourage you to go back and, and uh, get caught up. With this whole series, we've, been, um, we've just been talking about how, I mean, here, here's the reality is that we have relationships that we care about, our families. Every, I think everybody, I don't care where you're at, I think everyone would agree, I, I care about my family, I care about these relationships in my life, they're, they, we wouldn't even say they're the most important relationships in our life. But if we're honest, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times, the relationships we care about the most tend to get our best the least. And so we're just sort of, we're talking through these, these few weeks. And honestly, this is going to carry us through the month of May. And we're just, we're, we're talking about how do we, how do we, how does our family go from something that we say that we, or our, even our home and the culture of our home, how does it go from something that we say we value to something we actually prioritize in our life? That's what we've been talking about. And so we're, we're doing it a little bit different. I, a couple weeks ago, we talked all about joy in your home. I think if there's anything that our homes are missing, home culture miss, it was missing across the culture, joy. Like, what, Dad, why don't you smile more? You know, like, where's the joy? Yeah, like, we need, some, we need some joy in our homes. Last week, we talked all about singleness. You're like, wait, the family, are we talking about singleness? Yeah, we talked about singleness and, and, what, and how God sees not just, not just married couples and moms and dads, but all of us inside of our homes, regardless of our relationship status. And so we're going to keep on going. I told you today we're actually going to talk about marriage. Before we jump into it, though, I want to tell you, so not, next, not next week, but the week after is Mother's Day. And uh, I know you're all excited about, about celebrating mom. We, we try to do a few fun things every Mother's Day. And so this one, too, we have, we'll have, a, we have a couple fun things in store. One thing we're also going to do this Mother's Day is we're going to do child dedication on Mother's Day. And so if, you, if you've uh, never done that before, if you've, uh, maybe you've had you know, young kids recently, and I know we got, we got, a, we got a baby we got to dedicate to. So, like, we're going to, and I know we got a lot of them. I, I go over to Freedom Kids some, some weekends, man, it is just overflowing. So I know we got some kids to dedicate around here. And so if you would like to dedicate your child, go online, go to our website, freedomchurchnd.com. It's right there on the front homepage, and you'll, you'll be able to see it there. And, then, and if you have kids over at Freedom Kids, you can always talk to the team over there as well, and they'll get you situated and, and tell you what's going on. But if be, I encourage you to be a part of that. I, I'm, I know I'm looking forward to it. Um, I know some of our parents are as well. I, this, this week, this last week, I, um, every year, um, Bethany and I prioritize a sort of annual trip. We, we, we go out of town and we, we get connected with a whole group of pastors that we've been able to build relationships with some of some of whom over many years, and so every year, about once a year, we we travel out of town. And we all and we all get together, and um, we did that this last week. And and man, I I, I will tell you, you know, I remember um, there were some there were some other pastor friends there and stuff that I've seen that I remember meeting almost ten years ago. And so it's just amazing to see as I'm looking at these other churches and these pastors are from all over the country, they're from all over the place. 
And, and it's amazing when I get to interact with them and I get to get, I get updates about where they're at in their churches. And, and it's so encouraging to go, man, I remember, I remember five years ago and eight years ago and 10 years ago. I remember that. And then to see where everybody's at now, it's just, man, it's, it's a, it's a wild to this, to go. I, it's amazing to see what God has done over that, that period of time. And, and I can't help but be encouraged either when I think about us, when I think about Freedom Church. And just let me have a bit of a pastoral moment with you. I'm just sort of just reminiscing about where we're at with our church family here. And I'm, and I'm just thinking about, listen, three years ago, God dropped this vision for Freedom Church on our hearts. And we, we begin to like, okay, let's go. And it's like, we, we're supposed to move. Okay, pack it up. Let's go. I mean, we literally, it was just like that. Like, well, let's go. Let's just make plans. And we moved and we got up here. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't know if anybody was going to show up. Okay, day one, I was like, I don't know if anybody's going to be here. We have no idea. We're telling people about it. We're talking to people, but who knows if anybody's going to be, be here. I was just thinking about Bethany up here. She's leading worship. Doesn't she do a great job leading, leading us in worship? It's just a wonderful job. Listen, I remember us sitting in the living room going, I don't know what we're going to do for a worship leader. That's kind of an important part of church. I really was just believing that God was going to bring us a worship leader. And she's like, I know, I don't know what we're going to do. And I just said, and I think we even had a moment. I said, let's just pray. We're just going to, let's just get quiet for a moment. And we just got quiet. And I remember just sitting there and I did one of these. Oh, I know. I know what the answer is. What's the answer? You. It's you. And I remember this is a true story. She gets up. I said, she's like, I, what are you talking about? Me? I no way. And I said, I said, just, just sing. I know you can sing, just sing. And she, true story, she'll tell you, she stood up there to sing in front of me. Audience of two, me and Jesus were the only ones just right there, just looking at her. And it was like, knees were shaking. Is that the way it's? And, and, and look, look what's happened over these few years. Well, look at that. Only God can do that. And I look out here and I just see, Go, when, going from that day of wondering if anybody was going to show up to here we are, two services, and we've got, like, we've got a real community that's been built here. And I'm so encouraged by that. I'm, I'm telling you. And I, don't, and I don't look at that to just say, man, aren't we great? I just look at that and go, man, God's faithful. God's doing something here. God, God cares about Williston. He cares about this community. Can I, can I be honest with you? Though I, I look out here, and I love it. And I'm so encouraged to see what God has started but we haven't, we haven't crossed some finish line as a church. If anything, we just crossed the starting line. That's what I see here. I, I, I think about, I think about the, the draw. Like, what is it that, that, draw, that drew me to, to come to Williston? Why did I come here? Why, did, why Williston? Why Williston? And, and, and I, can I just tell you right now what it was? I remember driving around. And seeing people, having interactions with people, going to Walmart, talking to people, and, and seeing lost people, people who, people who came here because they were desperate. And I know none of y'all have any idea what that's about. You moved to Williston because you're desperate, because you're going, I need a job. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm here because I need something. And you know what? At least I can make some money here. And so we come here. Why? Because we want to hide. Because we were, we're, we, this is the place where I can at least get a little job security. How many of y'all moved here and just said, you know what? This is temporary. Here in a couple of years, I'm out of here. I'm going home. How many of y'all said that? And then here you are still. You know how many people? You are not alone. 
Do you know how many people are saying that right now in this community? Do you know how many people, this is what they're thinking as they are literally moving here this week to Williston? That's what's happening here. And you want to know why I love being here? Because this is a place right here where people, people think they're just coming for making a little bit of money. People are thinking they're coming to hide. People think that they're just coming here because they're at the end of the rope and there's no hope back home. And, God, and God's saying, hey, by the way, I know that's what you think you're getting, but I'm here and I'm waiting for you. And I prepared a place for you. And I prepared a group of people for you. And I prepared a place for you where you can come and hear the gospel and be encouraged. And you can experience salvation. And you can put your path, your life on a trajectory that says, listen, your life's not going to be the same. Your kid's life's not going to be the same. Your marriage isn't going to be the same like it's going to be different moving forward are you with me like this is what it's about so again I I I just tell you I look at our church and I'm so excited I love it but we didn't cross the finish line guys we just crossed the starting line and I'm I'm so hopeful about what's going to happen moving forward what, what God's going to do in our church but in our community he loves Williston he loves this community I love this community. I know you do too. And God's got so much more. He's got, he's got, he's got so, he loves, he loves the people here. He loves the students here. Man, God's got so much more here. Today, we're actually, we got baptism Sunday is today. And so we do that the last Sunday of every month. By the way, I just, I wanted to say that right in the middle of this because I just go, that right there, that's what it's about. Seeing people get baptized, seeing people make decisions. I'm, I'm telling you, you want, how do we take ground in our culture? How do you take ground in your home? How do you take ground in your school? How do you take ground in your It's this. People hear the gospel. They make a decision. They, 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 they pray a prayer. They commit their life. They get baptized. I mean, that, that's taking ground. So I, I, I have some things I want to share with you today. And... Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm just gonna shoot straight with you today. Today, today might feel like surgery. Okay. Might feel like I'm cutting you open, taking something out, maybe putting something in. But, but it's gonna be good for you. Is it? Can we, can we do that? Can, can we, can, can, can today be one of those days where, listen, I, and I, I'm all about, I love, I, I, we're going to talk about marriage. And I, and I know for, for a lot of us, we're just going, listen, I just need a little something that just like keeps me going. I, I, I get that. Listen, I, things are rough or, or things could be better. And just like, just give me like, surely there, there's like two or three or four things that I could just take away with me. And it's like, if I just do these things, life will be better. Like, give me the, give me the life hack for my marriage today. Give me the life hack. And can I just... I, I may not, you may not, it may not come out that way today. And I knew, and I try to do my best every week. To, and, I, and I think God wants to give you something that's applicable, tangible, that you can apply to your life Monday morning. And I think that there's going to be something here for you today. But today, when it comes to our marriages and it comes to our home culture, listen, I just, it might feel a little bit like surgery today. Is that okay? We're just going to be real honest. We're going to be meet, reading out of Matthew, teaching out of Matthew 19. 1 through 10. Do this. It's not going to be on the screen at the first here. I'm just going to read it to you first. Let's read it, and you just listen. Just just listen along as I go through this, and then we'll pray, and then we'll get into the rest of it. How's that sound? Okay. Just just follow. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up and follow that way. Otherwise, just, just, just listen here. Matthew 19 says, When Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee 
and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, when they, when, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. And the disciples they said to him, Boy, if this is how relationships are, if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, uh, it's better not to marry. All right, let's pray, y'all. All right, Father God, <laughs> we just thank you right now. We come to you with an open hand and an open heart, ready to receive. We, we, we recognize you. you Father, we, we know you, you said that you prune, you prune the branches that are living, not the branches that are dead. You prune those of us that are growing, not, not the ones that have been broken off. And so we just come to you ready, ready, and we invite your Holy Spirit. Maybe there's some things that need to be grafted in, and maybe there's some things in our life that need to be broken off, and we just invite you, Holy Spirit, prune us. Help us to grow today. Help us to be more like you. It's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. When you're kids, maybe, maybe some of y'all were this kid. You, you loved rules. You know what I'm talking about? Kids love rules. I got four little kids at home. They love the rules. Usually it's not because they like keeping rules. It's because they like to tell on their brother and their sisters. Okay, like... They love rules. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Remember the, the unspoken proverb that we all grew up with? He who bring the ball makes the rule. You know what I'm talking about? Like, this is mine, so I get to make the rules. I've been doing like, I've been doing morning recess at my kid's school in the morning for everybody who's showing up early and they're either in the gym or they're out there on the playground. And, and some of the games they come up with, you think they're playing basketball. I mean, that's what you think they're doing. You think they're playing basketball until you realize that some kid decided that he makes the rules and suddenly they're tackling each other. Suddenly, suddenly it's like, oh, you're not allowed to have the ball. You got to pass. I mean, it's just love making up new rules. It's amazing. Kids love the rules. I was even thinking about this last week. There's a pastor friend of ours and he, he tells this story when he was first leading this church and he, he hadn't been, it hadn't even been a year yet. And here's his worship team and, 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 and he, he's, they got the times, hey, you're on the worship team. So, you know, you show up at a, at a certain time. And so then they, they showed up at this certain time, except for this one person, the keyboard player decided they don't want to show up on time. And so it'd been like three or four weeks in a row, not showing up on time. And he's over there. He's just like, listen, you know, and so here they are, they're, they're on the Sunday and well, what do you know? The keyboard player was late. And so he says that the keyboard player comes in. He looks at him. He's just kind of like, hey, listen, um, you know, um, you know, I just just want to, you know, 
like you got to dance around, you know, I just, you know, I want a big ask, you know, I know this is a lot to ask, you know, but could you show up on time? You know, that's a, that's such a big ask, I know. And the keyboard player said, he said, the keyboard player looked at him, this is 15 minutes before church starts, looks at him, angry that he would ask him to show up on time again, walks into the sanctuary, grabs his keyboard, puts it under his arm and walks out of the church and he never saw him again. Wow. Just making your own rules up as you go like, my keyboard, my rules. Like, people love rules, don't they? I, I love being in charge. Like I said, for most of us, when I think about my kids, we love being the tattletale. Here's what happens with rules, though. We learn this at a young age. When, when, when we, here's why we love rules. Here's why kids love rules. Because my kids love to come to me at the end of the day and go, can I have my one treat? Y'all have heard me say that one treat means they're like fourth for the day. But for some reason, it's still the one treat. So like, can I have my one treat? Why do we like rules? Because now I've earned it, right? I'm asking, I earned it. I earned my one treat. I deserve it. I deserve my one treat. I kept the rules. We like rules. We like rules. We feel righteous when we keep the rules. We get what we want. Let's go back to Matthew 19. Let's, let's read through this. Hey, here's how it started. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished saying these, these, saying these things, he said that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him and he healed them there. They followed him and, they, and he healed them. Listen, you need to, you need to understand this. The way of Jesus, the way of Jesus, the ways of Jesus, it produces healing in our lives. I need healing. I need, I need restoration. I need, I need reconciliation. Listen, the way of Jesus produces healing. I mean, y'all know there is no stress like relationship stress, money stress. I mean, these, those are probably, if there's two factors, that got most of us weighed down, if we're weighed down at all, it's likely relationships and money. There's just no weight like that kind of weight. No stress and anxiety like that kind of anxiety. You might be surprised. Whenever Scripture, specifically the ministry of Jesus, and it says that He healed them, and you get this topic of relationships and money, there's a, there's a couple different Greek words for the word healing. Whenever He's talking about relationships and healing, and money, and this is one of those, we're talking about relationships. The, the Greek word is this word, a therapeusin. And this might surprise you, a therapeusin. What, is, what does that, what's that mean? It literally means he therapied them. Now, for some of you, if you come out of that, like, deep south, like, you know, I'm like charismatic, Pentecostal, like, background, like, that's your background, that, that might be a little bit of a wrench in your theology. Wait, hold on a second. He therapied them. That's literally what that means when he says that, he healed them. This great multitude of people decide to follow the way of Jesus, and as a result, they're healed. They've been therapied. Very interesting, isn't it? Marriage and money, it's like healing therapy. So then about following Jesus. Look what it goes on. It says, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Listen to me. Here's what I want you to see, because there's two groups of people that come to Jesus in this moment. You have the first group who are healed. And you have this second group that come along to test him. And, and this is what we all need to understand is that when we come to Jesus, right now you, you come to church, on, you're, you want to hear the word, you want to hear, you want to hear teaching. Whenever we come to Jesus, we're either following him or we're using him. 
When people come to Jesus, there's these two groups of people. And this is not just one story. This is, a multi, this is a theme throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospels. When you see this, it's a literary device. It's actually written this way on, on purpose. It's, it's literally, Matthew is writing this in a way because he wants you to see, listen to me, there's, there's two groups. There's this, there's this group that wants to follow him, and then there's this crowd that just wants to Test him. There's this crowd that just wants to justify themselves. There's this crowd that just wants to go, what do you think about this, Jesus? Jesus, where, do you, where, where, where are you at on this particular issue that's a hot-button political issue in our culture right now? I'm just kind of curious where side of the aisle you land on. Jesus, not today, just in Jesus' time. Right? We, we, we come to Jesus either ready to follow Jesus or use Jesus, test Jesus justify ourselves, hopefully, by getting Jesus to side with us. And it's this literary device that Matthew is using here to split up the scene between these two groups of people. And the question to ask ourselves when we come across this is exactly what Matthew wants us to ask ourselves. What group are we in? Like just right off the bat, wait, wait what group am, am I in? Am, am, I, am I part of that, that group that's going, I'm, I'm following Jesus I'm following Jesus, the ways of Jesus. Like, whatever that looks like, I'm here to follow him. Or am I in the other group? Like, which group am I in? Am I a disciple? Like, am I somebody that's apprenticing under the leadership of Jesus? Am I somebody that's interested in being with him, becoming like him, doing the things that he did? Am I a disciple? Or, or Or did I just, like, pray a prayer and I'm just hoping Jesus follows me around for the rest of my life? Like, where am I at on this? What group, what group am I in? What group am I in? And I think it's interesting that this group that's, that's just interested in kind of using Jesus, it says that they try to, they, they test him. They're trying to trap him. And I, you got to know that like that desire to want to like trap and test, that's an anti-Christ, anti-Jesus spirit that was alive then and it's alive now. I mean, this is why, this is why it's so difficult to even Know what to believe whenever you look at the news. It's like, I don't even know, I don't even know what's what. It, 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 it's real easy to just, you, you, we read that, we read our headlines, we read our social media headlines. So it's like, can you believe what so-and-so said? Can you believe what they did? And we're just looking for sound bits. We're looking for that moment. We're, we're constantly looking for that I got you moment. We do it this culturally. We do this in our friendships. We do this in our marriage. Just looking for the I got you moment. Oh, I, I know what you said. Oh, yeah, you didn't say it like that, but I know what you really meant. I, we just read between the lines. We're looking for the I got you moments. Can I just tell you right now? That's just this, this moment where we're trying to like trap people. It's like, you know what? I'm going to have that conversation. I'm going to record this conversation. I'm just going to put it down here. And just, just in case, just in case, I'm ready. I'm ready to get them. Let me just, I'm going to just tell you right now. That's not a grace-filled moment. That's not, the, that's not the grace of Jesus. Jesus absorbs. Jesus is there to extend a hand. He's there full of love and patience and kindness. And that's not what this is. That's not what this is. You know, and I think we look at our culture, we look around, we read the news, and I, and I hear it. I, I hear it. I'm, I'm probably guilty of feeling this way too. Yeah, these moments where you just go, man, there's, has there ever been this low regard for marriage ever? You look at our culture, has there ever been this low regard for marriage? I mean, my goodness, it's like it doesn't even matter anymore. And we get all, we get, it's for some of us, I mean, it just, it strikes a nerve. It hits close to home and we hate it. And we're just like, man, we're better. Like, what, what is this? 
We don't like this. We don't like what we're seeing. You might be surprised. Can I just tell you? I got two things on that. Here's the first one. One, here, listen to what I'm listen to me. We're called to live as a dissident in our culture, in our, in our place. Do you know what that means? It means that no matter how good it looks like the culture in our country and anywhere else, you, no matter how good it looks like it's going to be or is, listen to me, it is never going to line up. It's never going to line up entirely with the way of Jesus. It won't. It won't. It never has and it never will. There's never been a moment in history, in our history or anybody else's history where it has, which means this. It means that as a follower of Jesus, you will always find yourself at odds with the culture at some level. Maybe not everything all the time, but at some level, you're going to find yourself at odds. And you and I, our goal, when we find ourselves in culture this way, is not to run around and, and, and throw a fit and complain everywhere we go. No, we, we come in here subtle as dissidents. We come in there, I, I believe in an attitude. I got an attitude that just says, I know, I know power is the way to accomplish your goals. In this. But see, I serve a God that says that losing is actually winning. I, I serve a God that says that actually less is actually more. I serve a God that comes along and says, actually, you love your enemies. You don't hate your enemies. Like it's, I'm telling you, there ain't anybody that thinks like this because this is what it means to follow Jesus. And I don't care how good the culture gets. You're following Jesus. You're going to live as a dissident in that moment. Here's the second thing. When they're asking him this, when they ask Jesus this question, see, at that time, we'll give you a little history lesson here, okay? There's, there's two schools of thought at this time with these first century Jews and, and, and even before Jesus. And the, the, the two schools of thought were from a rabbi named Shammai and a rabbi named Hillel. Now, these two rabbis had two different ideas about how they interpreted Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, all about what Moses says about marriage and divorce. And so here's Shammai. And basically in Deuteronomy 24, verse 1, it says that you can, you can give your wife a certificate of divorce based on some indecency, is what it says. And so there's this guy that comes along, and his name is Hillel. And he emphasizes the word some, some, in the word some indecency. And Hillel, his teachings, and believe it or not, and well, I'll save that for in a minute, but here's what, here's what his philosophy taught. He taught that the emphasis was on some. So his example was, if your spouse burned your dinner, that was grounds for divorce. This is true. Other school, other people that followed the school of Hillel would even say, even say, went as far as to say, if you found another woman who was more attractive, you may divorce your wife and go be with her. This is the, Shammai, on the other hand, he emphasized the word indecency. By the way, he didn't restrict it to infidelity. He, he just said indecency. And so indecency could be anything. It could be some level of shame that your spouse brings on you in public. And so here's these two major schools of thought that they're asking about with Jesus. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to go, okay, Jesus, which one do you fall in? Do you follow Hillel or do you follow Shammai? That's what they're, that's what they're asking. <clears throat> they're trying to get him to commit himself to one side of the aisle or the other. Because here's the thing. There's a big following behind, behind these. Which, which side of the aisle do you think was the most popular? Hillel. Those who emphasized some. In fact, first century historian, Jewish historian named Josephus, you may or may not know who that is, but he's given us a lot of understanding for understanding first century New Testament uh, gospel. He was Orthodox Jewish. He was not, uh, he's not a Christian. 
He was, a, he was a student of Hillel. He said that he had three different, he had three wives at this time. So he married, remarried, remarried three, three different times. And, and here's the thing. By the way, if you, if you thought that there had never been a time where there was such low regard for marriage, <clears throat> I got news for you. It was lower then. That's lower. I'm not sure where they're yet. See, here, here's what they're doing. Here's what they're asking him in that moment. Which one, do you, which one do you fall in? Because if you fall in this one, then, then we lose you, Jesus, because you, all the people are going to turn on you. So, so which one do you want? And I love how they're asking this, because here's what they're asking. They, you, you heard it. Is it lawful? Is it, is it right? They're looking for more law. Clarify. More law. Hey, what's the rules? What's the rules? Because the Pharisees were the ones that liked to bring their ball to the game. Okay? They, they liked rules. They're rule followers. They want to know, what, what's the rules? Looking for justification. Justification. Wait, hold on a second, because the way I see it, see, Jesus, what, what do you think? What camp do you fall in? What camp do you fall in? Because, and I'm just giving you some context here, like this is, this is the thought process here. You know, Jesus, that's interesting that you say it that way, because the way I see it. Now, I know I haven't read the Bible in about two months. You know, I'm, I'm just working, head down, going along. But pre- preacher, I'm just not sure I really agree with that. It doesn't really resonate with my, with my spirit. So the way I see it, justification, like, what? Well, this is, what this is what they're asking. Hey, is it right? Is this, is this, is this okay? Looking for justification. And how many of y'all know, listen, they asked Jesus a question, and they got an answer that confronted all their ideas. This is what happens when we ask Jesus. This is what happens when we follow the way of Jesus. At some point, you're going to hit a crossroad. I don't care how faithful you've been. I don't care how much you claim to love the Bible. You're going to hit a crossroad when you follow the way of Jesus where he's going to confront some of your ideas. All of us. Look, look, look how he answers. He said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? You need to see this. Following Jesus is not about additional law. It's not about law. That's how, that's how, Jesus refuses to go, refuses to be backed into the question. He refuses to be put into the corner. He's like, no, 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 you're missing it. This isn't about some new law to put out. This isn't about some new standard so that we can come along and just say, look at Jesus, I'm keeping all the rules. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm winning. I deserve it. I deserve my one treat. I earned it. Like that. No, no, he's not, he's not coming along. It's not about new Law, new law. Listen, I love this. Jesus goes, he goes past that. I know sometimes we read, sometimes I know maybe Old Testament is difficult to understand. Maybe you're new to the Bible and you're reading it. You're just like, man, what do I do with all this? And here's what it is. You have, you have, this, you have this creation story that just leads to just this downward spiral of humanity. And eventually you get to these laws. That book of Leviticus and the rest of the Torah, I know some of y'all are just like, that's the part of the Bible you just glaze over. You quit your Bible reading plan. Like, that's the book, okay? And you get to all of that, and it's just like, it's this, man, what do we do with all that? It's so many do's and don'ts. And there's so many of us that we look at Scripture and we look at the life of following Jesus, and we just go, hey, which ones do I keep? Which ones do I not? Is it different? Do I? And Jesus is going, hold on, so you're missing it. He moves past the law. He moves through the law. He doesn't stop at it. He says, hold on a second. You don't understand. I'm moving past it and I'm going to the beginning. What did I really want at the beginning? What did I really create you for at the beginning? 
What was my original intent here? What, what did I really create you for from the beginning? That's what he's going for. That's what he's getting at. And I love this because we learn when you read scripture, you learn these Pharisees, listen, they, they were good at keeping the law. In fact, Jesus even said, he just said, he says, they're an example. It's amazing. I mean, if you saw them, I'm going to tell you right now, if you, were in, if you were alive then, you would see these Pharisees. A lot of you would have a lot of respect for them. You'd be like, man, this, these people are faithful people. This is, this is incredible. Yet Jesus says, he comes along and he says, yeah, you forget, you've, forgotten about, you've forgotten about a couple things. Do you, do, do you, remember, do you remember what I said about, about Abraham? Justice and righteousness. You forgot about the spirit of it. You got caught up in the letter of it. That's what he says to them. You, you forgot about mercy, but you were all about giving the exact amount. Like you forgot about the justice. You forgot about the righteousness. You forgot about the willingness because this is what marks somebody who follows Jesus. This is what marks somebody who's been a part, who follows God, the Old Testament God. It's somebody who's willing to lay aside their rights. Somebody who's willing to, to say, I'm willing to take less so that I can help my neighbor. I'm willing to be disadvantaged for the advantage of my neighbor. Like, this is the way of Jesus. This is the way of Jesus. He goes on, he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Leave mom and dad. You know, this, oftentimes when we read this, especially through our kind of our, our lens, we usually think like, leave mom and dad, get your own house and pay your own bills. That's usually what we're thinking, right? It's like, get your job and get off, get off mom and dad's dole. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just take care of yourself. That's usually what we're thinking of. We're ready for, like, move out and, and take care of yourself. But see, when this was written, it was very common that you would be married and find yourself under the same roof still. See, this isn't, this isn't quite, I know we, we kind of put our modern day sort of application on it because it does make sense. And I'm not even saying that it doesn't even imply that at some level, but it, there's more to it. There's something below the surface here because this isn't just about, this isn't just about do you pay your own bills? Do you, do you pay for the roof over your head? It's, it's more than that. This is about loyalty. This is about loyalty, not just residency. This is about where do you run to? Where do you run to? Husband, wife, we get in a fight. We can't resolve it. Do I run to my mom or do I run back to my spouse? Do I run, do I run to my old single friends and complain about how it's not what I thought it would be or do I run back to my spouse? Loyalty, not residency. What do I, oh, I, I just, we just can't seem to, we just can't seem to get along. It's because it's not just you and your spouse. It's you and your spouse and your mom and your dad that are right there in the middle of your relationship. But we don't live under the same roof. I know. Because that's who we run to. Leave your mother, leave your father. This is what's, he's saying, I listen, I know. You know, I know we got some moms and dads, but I listen, I listen and I care. And I just want to give advice. We use our money. Can I just tell you right now? Can I just tell you right now? No. Son, daughter, leave home. Mom, dad, let them leave home. Well, they, they, they left. They're not under my roof. No, 
Let them leave. Like change loyalty, change allegiance to somebody else. Let them. You know, I hear this all the time. We live in our culture right now. People complain about it. It's like, do you, can you believe the average person isn't leaving home till they're 26 years old? Can I just say this right now? Let's stop complaining about a, about a generation of young adults who don't want to leave the home till we're ready to talk about a generation of parents who love dependency and control. Leave home. Let them leave home. I'm telling you, this right here, this right here will set 50% of marriages free. Leave. Leave and cleave to your spouse. See, this is the way it works in Jesus' economy. Two equals one. One plus one equals one. One plus one equals one. Here's what it means. It means that you got married. Married. I'm talking marriage covenant. I'm not talking about playing marriage. I'm talking about being married. So let me be clear. I'm saying when you're married, God sees you different. God sees you different when you're married. Do you see you different? Do you see you different? Mom and dad, do you see them different? One plus one equals one. God doesn't even, God doesn't even entertain you. He doesn't even interact with you. He doesn't even speak to you the same way. Why? Because you ain't the same person anymore. One plus one equals a whole new one in Jesus' world, in God's world. This is how it works. I love this too. I hear this all the time. We, we get so caught up. Maybe it's the movies we watch. Maybe, maybe it's the, I don't know, maybe it's the books we're reading. Maybe it's just like, we kind of love the idea. We love the, we love the romance idea. We love the idea, the soulmate idea. We want to know, are they made? Are we made for each other? Let me, say, let me just set you free. If you're married, you're made for each other. Can we just say that? If you're married, you're made for each other. There it is. And I love this. I get around guys and just like, oh, I hear this and it's a little bit subtle. It's just like, oh, did you see? Yeah, you know, I didn't really marry my type. My type's over here. Yeah, I kind of like blonde hair. I kind of like dark hair. I kind of like this. You know, I kind of like, I like this. And, you know, wow. You know, oh, yeah, that's my, that's my house. That's my husband. That's my wife. You know, but my type. Can I just cue you in on what your type is? Your wife. Your husband. There's your type. And for some of us, we don't, we don't think, oh, come on now. I, I, might not be, I might be married, but I'm not dead. You know, I, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm married, but I'm not blind. I just Listen to me. That's the world. That's the way of the world. And you want, you want to be set free? You want some freedom in your marriage? You want the walls of insecurity to come down? You want, you want a spouse who serves you? Listen, I'm just telling you right now, you got to weed some of this out. You gotta weed some of this out. This is the world and it's permeating us. It's infiltrating your life and it's infiltrating your marriage. I'm just telling you right now. The marriage you want's on the other side of that. It's on the other side of that. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Very good. I'm gonna turn you into a Pentecostal church before this is over, okay? That's right. Let's go. All right, so then, let's keep reading. It says, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now, here's where we got to be honest. We got to look at what Jesus said versus our reality. What Jesus is saying versus our reality. We, we got to be honest, because I'm sure for some of us, we start talking about this stuff. We start talking about marriage. 
We talk about real marriage and not fake marriage. Not pretend marriage, but real marriage. Covenant marriage. We start talking about this. The interrogation light of shame. I'm sure it just feels like it's sort of like you're beaten down a little bit on some of us. See, we can do a couple things in that moment. We can justify. We can justify, well, hold on a second, but I'm, you know, I'm basically this. I'm ba- I, I just see it differently, or we categorize. Yeah, that's the group that does that. Those people do that. These people, you know, it's just, we even politicize it. We make it, we make it something that, we make it a political t- topic. I mean, just, we, we just have a, a knack for that, don't we? We have all kinds of things that we can do in, in this moment. Let me, let me help you out with, the, with, with what sin means. Because I think we kind of lost a little bit of, we kind of lost some meaning to this a little bit. Here's what sin means. It means to miss the mark. So if you could imagine pulling back the arrow. So you're pulling back the arrow, boom, and you release it, and it's not in the bullseye. You've missed the mark. That's, that's sin. This is, why, this is why Jesus goes back to the beginning. Let me give you another, let me give you another word. I think, I think it's more helpful for us just to help us think about this. I, the word brokenness. Let's use the word brokenness for a minute. Now, I don't, I'm not implementing this word to go, hey, I got a nicer word than sin. Let's make this nicer. That's not, what I'm, that's not what I'm doing. What I'm actually doing is I'm saying we need to recognize our need for Jesus is far deeper than we actually realize. Because I think what happens is we, we, like the rich young ruler, we love the word, we love scripture, we're doing the best that we can, and we look at it and we come to Jesus and we just go, listen, I'm keeping all the rules, I haven't sinned. And he's going, hold on a second, but you don't realize that you're actually broken. But I've kept all the rules, yeah, but you're broken. I'm telling you, it's just deeper than we realize. Think about what Jesus said. Jesus comes along and he says, oh, you think, it's, you think you're good because you haven't committed adultery. Well, I say when you've looked lustfully at a woman, you've committed adultery. Ooh, well, that's a little, that's a little, that's a little deeper. Well, I haven't murdered anybody. Yeah, you haven't murdered anybody, but I say that when you have hatred toward your brother, that you have murdered them. Oh, so now I'm an adulterer and I'm a murderer. Wonderful. This is not, you know, this is not looking good. Broken. Broken. Sex before marriage is brokenness. Just like a sexless marriage is brokenness. Pornography is brokenness. Homosexuality, brokenness. This isn't to make, a, this isn't to make it nicer. This isn't to, to minimize the weight of sin. It's to recognize that we broken people. Like our need for Jesus goes way deeper than the rules that we like to set up for ourselves, to justify ourselves. And see, and here, here's the thing. When we're confronted with brokenness, there's a temptation that, that creeps in when you're confronted with brokenness. The temptation is to justify. I, guilty? It's the temptation. Every one of us. Well, hold, on, hold on a second. I'm not sure I quite see it that way, Pastor. Hold on. That's the temptation. Listen to me. Areas of our lives that are closed off to Jesus are areas of our lives that are closed off to healing and redemption. I'll say it again. The areas of our life that's closed off to Jesus is the area of our life that's closed off to healing and redemption. But I'm keeping the commands. I don't, I'm not doing that. I've been, I've been faithful. I've been following Jesus for 40 years. I've just been faithful. It's not about keeping commands. 
Jesus goes past commands. He goes back to original intent. Yeah, but is that really the way God intended it to be? Is that really as healthy as he wanted it to be? Is that really, is that really what it looks like to, to fill in the blank? Original intent. Is it what he intended? Let's keep going. It says, he said to him, when did Moses, or why then, did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and put her away? Woo! That really got him now. That's what this is. They're like, oh, hold on a second. You're supposed to be a man of the book, a man of the word. Got one for you, Jesus. Check. Why did Moses command then to give her a certificate of divorce and send her on her way? This is like that moment when you're at work. You got that friend or that coworker, and they just, oh, you're following Jesus. Well, did you know that in the Bible... It actually says you're not supposed to actually get any piercings or any kind of body marks on your body because it's the temple. What are you doing? And you're sitting there going, oh my God, that's in the Bible? Are you sure that's in the Bible? What is that? Oh man, the beads of sweat is like, man, do, do I follow God? I don't know. Check, gotcha. What are you going to do about this now? Right? But this is Jesus, y'all. Checkmate. That's what Jesus is about to say. And he says doing the, yeah, Moses. I love this. Because he's, he's talking about the Bible, but he doesn't even say me or my father. He says, ah, Moses, I'm going to distance myself from this one. It was Moses. It wasn't me. Moses, because of the hardness. And I love this. He doesn't say because your father's hearts were hard. He says, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But again, from the beginning, it was not so. This is not the beginning. This is not the garden. This is not the place where heaven and earth overlap. That's not what this is. And here's what he's telling them. It's a concession. This is a concession. Because we're broken. And because our hearts are hard. Listen, that's, a, that's how gracious God is. He comes in and he says, okay, this is not what I wanted. Here's a concession. Here's a, here's a concession. And I love this because we, we come to God and we, we, we come with these ideas and we come with these, we read scripture and it's just like, well, here's what I think is right. Well, I, hold on a second. I was reading this and uh, here's, the, the, here's the conclusion that I've come to after 20 minutes of reading this. Before I got to my small group, I have made a theological decision about what scripture says and how it applies to my life. Wow, that's amazing. That is incredible. It resonates with my spirit. Okay, listen, here's what Jesus is saying. I don't got a chip on my shoulder. I'll repeat. I'm rant, I don't know. I'm ranting and preaching. It just happens all at the same time today. I told you, it's going to feel like surgery. Okay, here's what Jesus is saying. No legalism here. Jesus is saying there's no, there's no legalism. There's no room for legalism here. I'm not here to give you more law. You got plenty of that. I'm here to move you past the law to go back to the way I originally intended it. But just in case you thought that means that marriage is not serious, he kind of doubles down here. And this is what he says. He says, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Now, if you're reading this as a woman, you're kind of thinking, well, that ain't fair. (laughs) What's that about? And, And it's true. It really wasn't fair at that time because you didn't really have, it wasn't impossible to divorce if you were a woman. It was just very difficult. So you could. But here's what Jesus is actually saying in this moment. For those of you that are kind of trying to figure out, how do I, how do I reconcile this? Because this is just feels like it's kind of infringing on my womanhood right now. Here's what this is. Here's what this means right here. What he's saying is he's going, listen, you, you've got it. You're the one with the ability. And Jesus is saying, the fact that 
that there's adultery now in this relationship? He says, he says, husband, it's you. He said, husband, it's your fault. Husband, it's your responsibility. The weight of this falls on you. That's what Jesus is saying, right? He's putting it all on them. Putting it all on them. Then his disciples' conclusion. Whoa, man, if this is the case for a man with his wife, we have concluded we don't want to be married. That's their... Here's what you get at the end of this here. We all fall into one of two categories here. Broken or redeemed. You're in the broken category or you're in the redeemed category. And as much as we want to justify, as we want to justify and keep things and tell us, listen, we can stay in the broken category. Jesus wants to move us from the broken category to the redeemed category. He wants to move your marriage from the broken category to the redeemed category. But we got to let him. we got to let him do that. Original intent. Original intent. Think about that. What was the original intent? Walking with God in the cool of the morning. This like this closeness, this relationship with God. This place where this is the like I get up and I find my energy for my day. Why? Because I've spent time with Jesus. Like original intent. People who eat from the tree of life. What does that mean? Eat from the tree of life? What are you, what are you talking about? Did you know that there's a tree of life still? His name is Jesus. This is the theology behind this. There is a tree of life today. His name is Jesus. And guess what? You're still called to eat from the tree of life. Wait, how do I, how do, I do that? How do I eat from the tree of life? That doesn't make any sense. I thought it was an apple. I thought it was this. I eat from the tree of life. Every time we decide to love our enemies, you eat from the tree of life. Every time you decide to absorb the argument, you eat from the tree of life. Every time you're willing to set your rights aside for the benefit of others, you eat from the tree of life. Every time you spend time with, become like, and do the things that Jesus did, you eat from the tree of life. That's what you're doing. You could do that today. Listen, you know what happens when we eat from the tree of life? I'll give you a clue. You see it in Jesus' ministry. People are healed. People are fed. People are set free. People regain their dignity. People get their calling back. They receive their calling their future is redeemed. This is what happens when we eat from the tree of life. Same can happen with your spouse too, by the way. Healing. Walls come down. Grace. Understanding. Dignity. Like these things can be restored, redeemed in your home. Michael, why don't you go ahead and put a little bit of music on as we come, because everything just feels, you know, holier. When you got some music going on in the background. Okay, so put some music on for us. Here we go. As we close this out here. And I know some of us, you hear this, and you just go, yeah, pastor, but you don't know. You don't know, you don't know my stuff. Like I've been hurt, shamed, addicted. I'm not worthy. I want that. I don't even know how. Some of y'all are like, have you met my spouse? That's what some of y'all are thinking. Have you met my spouse? I don't think this is possible. I don't think this is possible. Listen, what's, what's impossible with man is possible with God. What's impossible with man is possible with God. And this is what I want you to see. I'm sorry, I don't have the three and four points today to make your marriage better. My answer to you is Jesus. In fact, this right here, this is the sum it up. Go pull it, pull it up on the screen. This next slide. Your first covenant is the strength of your second covenant. Your first one. That's Jesus. Your primary covenant is the strength of your second covenant. Listen, we spend so much energy 
trying to get what we don't have. Single people, married people alike, we all do this. We spend so much energy trying to get what we don't have. I want to read this. This is James 4, 7 through 10. This is what we do. You ready? Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. But godly brokenness is what he's saying. Like be, be broken before your Savior. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And some of you are just going, I'm down there. My marriage is down. I'm down. I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. I don't see hope. I'm just telling you, I see divorce on the horizon. I'm just, I feel shame for the divorce I've been through. I just, it's just brokenness. And look what he says. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. He lifts you up. Not self-justification to lift me up. No, he lifts me up. Let me, I have a very, this is very specific to us. You ready? This is a very specific thing I, I, I think I need, all, all of us need to hear. Love the season you're in, not the one you wished you were in. Love the city God has placed you in, not the one you wished he placed you in. Love the boss that you have. Not the one you wish you had. Love the job that you have. Not the one you wished you had. Married people, listen to me. Love the spouse that you have. Not the one that you wish you had. Don't you remember what Paul said? Don't, don't you remember? You've read it. Don't you remember what he said? Much nagging. Will win your spouse over. Great wisdom, Paul. Thank you for that. that was, right? Wasn't that Paul? Win the next argument and your spouse will serve you. Right? Yeah, that's, that's Paul. Maybe Peter, but that's good. Regularly remind your spouse of all the things you want them to change. They will adore you. Oh, that's powerful. Give regular ultimatums. They will cherish you. The way of Jesus, the way of Jesus produces healing. Heavenly Father, we just thank you right now. I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit today, there's a lot that was said. and I just pray that you just fill in the gaps where maybe I missed it. Maybe I should have said something. Maybe I shouldn't have said something. I don't know. But maybe I just pray right now that your, your Holy Spirit's the one that's growing us and pruning us and changing us and making us like you. And so I just pray today, we just, again, fill the gaps in. Heal us. Heal our marriages. Heal our relationships. Heal our brokenness. Those things that we've been keeping in the dark, we're willing to bring to the light. Redeem us. Redeem our relationships. Redeem us. Redeem our callings. Redeem us. By the power of the cross. Thank you, Jesus.